it is not infrequent that we actually have people who come into the store try on clothes and they come out of the dressing room crying tears of joy because they were like this is the best shopping experience I've ever had because everything was made to fit me like obviously it makes me feel good about what we do but what a novel idea that clothes fit you like it shouldn't be the case that you're moved to tears because you came somewhere that things were made to fit your body Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of The Greatest Stories Never Told. My name is Danny Jordan, but I'm sure most of you knew that. For those of you who are new, welcome. Thrilled to have you here. This is the second episode ever of The Greatest Stories Never Told. We are officially, sound the alarm, friends. We are officially a series, which I'm so excited about. If you are just discovering us, maybe you're here because of the guest that is joining us on this episode, make sure to hit that subscribe button. Go back, listen to our premiere episode. We chatted with Disney Channel star Bradley Stephen Perry, covered a lot of topics in that opening episode. And now it is time to share another individual's story. You know, part of my mission with Greatest Stories Never Told is to interview celebrities, notable individuals that are either friends of mine or that I've met over the years throughout my work as a TV producer, or maybe even people that I get connected to that that want to come on the show. But a huge piece of The Greatest Stories Never Told is to shine a light on people who have never had the opportunity to share their story for a large audience. And today, we are going to do just that. My guest on today's episode is Alexis Hope Crace. For many of you out there, that's a name you don't know. But let me tell you, you are going to love getting to know Alexis. You are going to love getting to hear her story. Alexis and I got connected sort of randomly uh, about a year and a half ago when we were still in pandemic land and people were trying to figure out how do we make content. I got hired to go direct a behind-the-scenes documentary of the making of a new movie movie musical called Burning Man, the musical. Yes, that will be a conversation for another time. But anyway, one of the people who worked on this production reached out to me and said, hey, I know you're always interviewing people. I know you're always wanting to meet new people and tell their story. I have someone that I think would be great for you. And that person is Alexis Hope Crace. Alexis is the owner and founder of Plus Brooklyn. Plus Brooklyn is New York City's only plus size boutique selling new vintage and resale fashions. Now, the concept for Plus Brooklyn was born out of Alexis's firsthand experience. For years, she had struggled to find affordable, accessible, and sustainable clothing options in her size of 4X, which fit well and were uniquely her style. So, what did Alexis do? She took matters into her own hands and launched Plus Brooklyn. In our conversation, we dive deep into what Alexis's lived experience is like, what it has meant to her to open this venue and to serve the community that she identifies with. And she shares some really great insights into how important it is for people who are plus size to have a space where they can go and feel safe and feel loved and feel accepted and feel celebrated. And through that, Alexis also shares some stories of specific people who've reached out to her and and shared what the experience has been like to be able to go to Plus Brooklyn and how the experience has empowered them. So I think it's time we get to that conversation. But before we do, just want to remind you guys, if you're new to the show, please make sure you hit that subscribe button. If you are loving what you are hearing on Greatest Stories Never Told, please make sure to rate and review. And if you want to connect with me and the show further, you can do so on social media. We are at Never Told Pod. On all of the platforms, you can also follow me on Instagram at Danny Jordan, and we can connect further there. Anyway, speaking of connecting, let's get to our conversation with Alexis Hope Grace. 
One thing I'm really committed to with The Greatest Stories Never Told is shining a light on stories that I think are really, really dynamic, really dynamic human beings that are doing great work, impactful work out in the world, and giving them the chance to to share their story. And, and that's what we're here to do today. So I appreciate you being here. And how are you, Alexis? I'm doing really well. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So let's, I guess, let's start at the very beginning, as they say. It's a very good place uh, to start. At least that's what uh, Julie Andrews once told me. Um, let's let's learn more about you. Where are you from, and uh, and how did you get into the world of, of fashion, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit. So yeah, my name's Alexis Crace. I am originally from Philadelphia, born and raised. I moved to New York when I was 17 to go to college at NYU. And my path to fashion was not direct. So I spent the majority of my career actually working in like um, tech companies and sales and um, and managing sales teams and leading teams in like that space. And um, I always knew I wanted to work for myself. I was really fortunate to work at like um, a large tech company in its early stage that went public. And I, I gained a little bit of money that I started to like invest in things because mm. I wanted to kind of like grow a nest egg so that I could eventually leave work. And like, I had this dream of retiring early and just working on something that I was passionate about that would lead me to early retirement. And so I just like did a lot of soul searching. Um, after, after my mom passed away about 10 years ago, I was thinking long and hard about like the things that bring me joy and, what actually fulfills me. And if I were to build a career around something that I could like retire on doing, what would it be? And so that's kind of what led me into the fashion space. <laughs> um, and I know that doesn't sound direct, but uh, you know, for me, and uh, this may not seem like something that probably most people are aware of if you're not a plus size person, but Anybody who wears above, I want to say like a size 16 in the United States, probably to some level acutely feels what I felt, which is that um, I had always been on the fringes of fashion. I had for my entire life limited options that were available to me. And um, I had always considered myself somebody who like really loved dressing up. I loved fashion. I loved to be playful, but there was such a vacuum of options available to me. And so when I thought about like, where is there a need and what am I passionate about? And what can I leave this like corporate world to do and focus on? For me, that was like the first thing that came up primarily because it met a need that nobody else was meeting in New York City of all places. Because I thought for sure when I moved to New York, which arguably is like the fashion capital in the US, if not the world, right. that there would be so many options for somebody like me who's a size 24, 26. And guess what? There was literally like nothing. <laughs> There's wow. like a few big bucks retailers and stuff like that. And so I thought, well, maybe if I build it, they will come. Like, I know that there's a million people just like me. Um, so that was kind of it. You know, I took a, a little bit of a risk. I took like essentially my life savings and <laughs> I put it into opening like the first incarnation of plus Brooklyn which is the shop that I own which was a tiny little closet of a store in Williamsburg Brooklyn where we're located but it was a different location um and after we opened we had a pretty good reception it became very clear to me like very quickly that we were going to outgrow that tiny little closet of a store mm. so after a year and a half we upgraded to what is now our current location and 
five years in, we've weathered a pandemic. We are growing like crazy. We're looking at expanding and we have had a really good reception. And so that's kind of what led me to where we are, where a um, Plus Brooklyn is a brick and mortar store that also sells online. And we focus on secondhand and vintage clothing for sizes 12 and above. Um, And then I like to think that outside of that, you know, outside of like the actual function of what we do, that we serve as like a community hub for people Mm. um, like me, like my employees that are looking to connect with other folks who have been marginalized for so Mm. long, really. Um, So we create a safe space for that. And uh, yeah, we sling a lot of fun clothes. I love that. I, I there's so much to unpack here that that you've shared with us right out of the gates, which I'm so excited to to get into. And it's great for me. It's great perspective for me, you know, as as the interviewer because as we shared earlier, this is really you and I meeting for the first time. So to really yeah. get a you know understanding of like your backstory, it, it's really helpful. And I think um, there's a few things that stood out that I want to that I want to dig into right out of the bat. Is one when did Plus Brooklyn first open. What what was your official opening date? 2017. We opened in 2017. Yeah. Okay, opened in 2017. And then a year and a half in, it was going so well. We're expanding. We're getting a bigger space. Yeah. Um, and now you guys, like you said, you weathered the pandemic. Now during the pandemic, were you still doing business online, still engaging with the community online? Well, actually, that's a really interesting story. So I hadn't really figured out and I'm still figuring out e-commerce to be honest because <laughs> Aren't it's we such all? a challenge. Yeah, yeah it's, it is such a challenge as a secondhand store cuz like everything that we have, you know, the depth of order is one, you know, like I have one one of a kind 70s vintage dress, right. right? So like it's not like where you when you're selling new clothes where you have like 20 of the same item and you go shoot photos of it and you put it on a website and blah blah blah. So it's like for us the challenge has always been figuring out how we can get, you know, our hundreds of items up on a website or whatever and purchasable in a fashion that makes sense. So before honestly before the pandemic really I was totally dependent on foot traffic and that mm. was it. We really had like little to no e-commerce strategy. And then the pandemic kind of forced our hand at figuring things out because it was 2020 in March. And just like everybody else, we had to close our business. And I remember when it first happened, they were like, it's going to be a few weeks. You know, everybody was like, right. okay, we're going to do this for a few weeks. Yeah, and then we're we'll going on vacation. We're going to have some mimosas in the middle of the day. And then we'll be <laughs> back in a couple of weeks and all will be back to normal. Yeah. And like as a small business who, you know, we were essentially like working our hardest to do it month to month. It's not like I had like a surplus of money. Mm-hmm. I was worried about like, oh, well, how am I going to pay my rent three months from now? <laughs> like right. if we're closed in a month, you know? So, and, and so I had just, when I first started Plus Brooklyn, I was working a full-time job and juggling both. And I had just months earlier quit my full-time job because the business was growing to dedicate myself to it full-time. And I had just announced days before the pandemic was public to friends and family and the greater internet that I was pregnant with our first child. Oh, wow. Here I was pregnant without the security of a well-paying job that I had before in a business that I just had to unexpectedly close. And I was like, 
what the heck am I going to do? Right. I mean, I, it was really a dark time at first for me because I thought like, this is it, like, this is going to be the end of the business. And so I had to lay off my employees and it was just like me sitting in the shop trying to figure out what to do. So what happened was I started in a very rudimentary way, taking one garment at a time and putting, taking pictures of them hanging on the wall and uploading them to our Instagram stories. Okay. And the first day I did it, we made a thousand dollars. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. Just me by myself taking pictures of clothes and posting it to our audience. I know and what I I'm like, doing this afternoon. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, we do have a very engaged audience, but yeah, right. it was like one of those things where I was like, whoa, what have I been sleeping on for so long? And so, um, and the, the, the short of the whole long story is that that's what floated us through the pandemic. And we actually, I mean, every year since then has been our best year yet, but that year was our best year yet. That's incredible. Um, yeah, we actually had like a record-breaking sales year that year, which was like mind-blowing. And of course, you know, things changed. And as we reopened, we weren't doing $1,000 in like Instagram story sales every day. It kind of evened out with like people coming into the shop, but mm. continued to really grow. And that's been an avenue that we have focused on now, e-commerce, of course. So that's how we weathered that storm. So you figured it out though. Like, I think that's just a great note for anyone to take, right? Is that sometimes we become so hindered by the thought, the, the fear of, of, can I even do this? Right. And, and if I were to attempt this thing, what would it even look like? And the reality is you don't know until you just do it. Like you could have posted that picture on your Instagram stories and maybe nobody bought it. Um, but you just believe you're like, this is what I have to do. And I'm sure if, if you hadn't sold a thousand dollars that day, you would have found something else and you would have found something else. You would have just found <laughs> a way because this is something you're passionate about. And I think this is something to sort of dig into is I'd love to, to, to hear from your perspective. You seem to be very resourceful. You seem to be one of those people who just figures out a way to make your dream become a reality was there somebody in your life or an experience in your life that you think sort of served as inspiration or, or instilled in you this faith in yourself that these ideas that you have that you can you can make it a real thing that's interesting yeah I mean I guess so so um I grew up really poor in I want to say I had like a very non-traditional childhood there was like some trauma and stuff that happened mm. around the way that I was raised and so my older sister and I pretty much raised each other mm. on our own and I'm from the one thing I will say is that despite some of the challenges that my parents went through in raising us they my father was always so vocal with us that like you can do anything you set your mind to it's really important to invest in education like you he always used to have this saying like hit your wagon to a star you can do anything you want to do and Ooh, he told me that. i remember am i allowed to curse you could say whatever you want <laughs> <laughs> he told me to um work really hard get into a really good school and rock it the fuck out of here meaning like get out of this bad situation and like yes do something good and that i was just super laser focused on that i always had been i've always been a self-made person um i was money motivated from the gate once i graduated college because nyu was expensive and i had taken out a bunch of loans um and so i went to school for journalism but i ended up working in sales because i was good at it and i knew that i could make money and i wanted to like build something for myself so i don't know just i guess that just coming out of those circumstances i had always been a hustler you know mm. what i mean like i've always been a self-made person i don't i've never wanted to be reliant on anyone mm. um 
And I think in this situation, like specifically regarding like what happened with the business and like, that was like, for me, a moment of desperation where I was like, I have to figure this out. There has to be a way, like, I'm not going to let this dream of mine fail, you know? And so like, yeah, it was like the rudimentary pictures on Instagram, but to your point, like I was willing to go to any length, you know? Mm -hmm. You can do anything you set your mind to, right? Yeah. (laughs) Pitch yourself to a start. Is your dad still around? No, he unfortunately passed a few years ago. Mm. But I love that that message that he shared with you obviously resonated with you and, and lives on to this to this day. Totally. You know? Yeah. And, and I think he knew that, too, before he went. And he also got to see me open the store and all that. Oh, stuff. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I'm sure that, you know, as a dad uh, to, to two young girls, I can I can attest that that was a very impactful thing for him for sure just seeing your children as you know as a mom you know like when you see your your children figure something out anything from like putting a block into a hole for the first time to walking whatever it is those moments are some of the most impactful moments you will ever have in in your life um what i think is interesting is that you shared that you went to nyu for journalism but ended up in in sales but it feels like in some way your education in the world of journalism is really sort of coming full circle because a lot of what we do on social media is tell stories, right? Like, I feel like you have to be a great storyteller for people to want to engage in your brand. Like, I guess that brings up my next question, which is, do you feel like you as a storyteller is one of those things that connects you to this community that you guys have have built and, and fostered? I've never really thought about it, to be honest. I've always been... Uh, I've always been a storyteller, I guess, in general, and I love connecting with people. And so I think if anything like that has brought me, you know, like community is so important to me and like finding people who I share an affinity with. And so like, for me, that was like the basis of the business aside from obviously like the actual function of what we do in selling clothes. And so I guess in a certain regard, when it comes to like the technicality of the storytelling, I actually employ a really awesome person who does our social media (laughs) and tells those stories. But I mean, obviously I work very closely with them and I'm part of that, but yeah, I mean, I guess indirectly to answer your question. Yes. Um, For me, it's always just been about like connecting with our community and making sure that we're reflecting back their stories and, mm. you know, like kind of like creating a safe space. hundred percent. And I think we're in this really beautiful time, you know, as challenging as it is at times, you know, I, as I shared, you know, I'm, I'm a dad and, and my oldest daughter uh, is an individual with a disability, you know, so inclusivity and and representation is just so vital. And, and frankly speaking, you know, as a, you know, cisgender white male, you know, living in America, I don't think I could, I can never understand like what it means to see yourself represented, but like to see how my daughter responds to seeing someone that looks like her in, in any way, I can't understand it, but like, I, I get glimpses of the meaning of it and, Mm -hmm. and, and the impact of it. And, and furthermore, I think as a storyteller, how necessary it is for people to see themselves because of the way that it empowers. And I think that's something that you have clearly, as as you said, through noticing this, this gap, this thing that was missing in, in New York city, which I'm sure most people, me included, having spent a lot of time there, I would just assume that a store like this or many stores like this already existed because New York city is such a diverse place right yes. so the fact that you saw this this hole and you said no there 
this com- there is a community out there of people like me and they need to have a safe space and you created that i think it's it's absolutely incredible um and i'm sure i i'd love to hear maybe some of the more impactful moments you've had as the business owner of people maybe who've reached out to you whether in person in the store or through social media or email and and shared what it means to them to have a space like this is there are there any specific examples you might be able to share with us I mean, the one powerful example I often share with people who are not of size, um, because I feel like most people who are of size, like they feel it and they get it and it's part of who they are too. But um, it's, this is not like an isolated incident. It's, it happens more times than I could count, but it is not infrequent that we actually have people who come into the store try on clothes Mm. and they come out of the dressing room crying tears of joy because they were like this is the best shopping experience i've ever had because everything was made to fit me like obviously it makes me feel good about what we do but what a novel idea that clothes fit you like it shouldn't be the case that you're moved to tears because you came somewhere that things were made to fit your body but that to me is illustrative of Um, you know, like kind of the need that we're serving, which Mm -hmm. is that it is hard out there. Now that said, like fat people have existed since the beginning of time. They've always been clothed. It's not like clothes don't exist, but the options that are available to us in public forums just aren't there or they're hidden or, you know, it's just not, clothing is not, it's not an inclusive place for many people. Mm. So to have somewhere that is, solely dedicated not just a size inclusive or making an effort to be size inclusive space I think is a first for many people Um, and that has always been something that my like straight sized friends or those that aren't of size hear and are always surprised by all right Alexis for individuals out there like me who are uh, straight size as it as it is described what are some bits of information that you can share with us about the reality of, for someone who is plus size as it pertains to trying to find clothing that it not only fits, but was made specifically for you? Well, for me growing up, there were little to no options and I'm a 38 year old woman. So um, it really wasn't until probably I was in my mid twenties where I started to see more brands expanding to have options. And I think ultimately what any person wants plus size or otherwise is to have options that are stylish and cute and fun and meet, you know, who they are or an expression of who they are as a person. And so for plus size people for so long, they really have been on the fringes of fashion in that even though the average US size in America is, I believe today, a size 18. In fact, 67% of the women in the US wear above a size 14 or categorized as plus. So even though we're the majority of individuals, until pretty recently, I think the statistic was that we were represented about 7% of the clothing. So options just weren't there. And when we started to see options expand, most of them were through fast fashion. Fine, it serves a purpose. Um, But even there, only available online. Mm. So oftentimes you'll go in stores and find that those stores may have plus sizes, but they're only available on the website. And then for stores that do carry plus sizes. Um, Oftentimes it's a really small section. It's in like the back 
in a dark place in a store mm-hmm. hidden all the way and it's not like a pleasant experience and there's only like a few options um if they carry those sizes at all so you know i think for the majority of people who are plus that are shopping it's like you know we have become accustomed to going shopping with our friends on the weekends and like it's like you go there and you're just looking at the accessories and like dangling the necklaces mm. you know while they do their thing and so right. it really shouldn't be a novel idea but it is to have places where you can go and find um things it, the landscape is starting to change a little bit but it's still not i think at the pace that it should be for the the faction that exists in the world i there's postulations i have as to why that is a lot of it has to do with still the level of fat phobia that exists in the outside world and, and, you know, beauty standards and all sorts of things. I'm glad that we're seeing change, but it has been slow. And that's why I started plus Brooklyn and it serves such a special place because there continues to be so few options for people of size. So you referenced, you know, clothing being available, but through fast fashion for people like me who don't know what that is, what is fast fashion? Yeah. So, you know, there's, terms in the fashion community around like fast fashion or slow fashion um slow fashion is oftentimes locally individually produced ethically people say ethically because there are you know work standards that are around humane conditions fast Mm. fashion is oftentimes uh manufacturing processes that are at exported so overseas where people work in factories and they're producing low-cost garments in high volume oftentimes the working conditions in fast fashion are what some people would argue are inhumane where Mm. there's sometimes child labor or people who are working for you know not livable wages and stuff like that but fast fashion has served a purpose for many and i don't mean to shame people who wear fast fashion um, especially because for people even of like my size, um, where like you wear a size, let's say a size 24, sometimes the only options available to you are fast fashion. Mm. And so it's not necessarily, I think, like a bad or evil thing to wear fast fashion if that's where you're, you know, able to shop, um, whether it's because of like, you know, your economic status or because of your size but the point that i'm making is until recently those are the only options for many that were available to them Mm. um and the quality of garments that we see in fast fashion is not very high they're Mm. often cheap for a reason they fall apart very easily um they don't wear well um and they're not true to size most times so yeah i think that i that whole piece is rife with so many issues in and of itself speaking of issues you know the work that you are doing and and other individuals like yourself who are you know offering these these inclusive spaces you know for individuals who are plus size to come shop to find great fashionable clothes that are made for them and fit them you know from my perspective and i'm sure so many people who are listening is like wow you're doing incredible work um but for some reason, we live in a world where even people who are doing incredible work, uh, people come after them for <laughs> one reason or another. Um, have you experienced that at all? Are there other people who are not fans of the work that you're doing? And, and how do you navigate that? Oh, boy, we have trolls. We have had trolls. 
Um, and, you know, I think for the most part we see, especially, you know, within our community, we see a fantastic reception. I mean, the trolls are obviously people outside of our community. I think, you know, we have seen some hate. Um, it's oftentimes like, I, I always say it's like the craziest voices that are the loudest. Mm. Um, but like anytime we get any kind of like, um, press or like media that puts us at a large scale, cause we have had some national media, that's highlighted the work that the store does um i mean invariably we almost always get trolls um we have been accused of promoting obesity so it's like how dare you unapologetically like show yourself in something cute or a crop top or whatever because if you do that and you love yourself you're immediately promoting obesity which is like i mean i'm not even going to touch that yeah because there is no i'll touch it it's ridiculous (laughs) um but yeah i mean i want to say the most ridiculous thing that's ever happened to me was um that (laughs) we actually had a individual who i guess was an outspoken youtube personality and kind of like spokesperson for the alt-right that Mm. picked up on a media piece that we had um that we were highlighted in from now this, the kind of like liberal media organization did like right. a little piece on us. And uh, <laughs> they created a 10 minute YouTube video about how we were a um, promoting obesity and taking taxpayer money to, which is not true hmm. <laughs> um, because we had received some micro loan from the city and that's what the media piece was about. So anyway, this was, we, there was like this 10 minute piece and um, because of how prominent this person is in the alt-right community, we had like thousands of crazy messages, negative reviews on Google, on Yelp. Um, I wow. had to work really hard to like remove as much of it as I could. Some of it is still remnant and you can find it on the internet. Um, but that was probably like the most inflated and crazy example of that. Um, and one of the only times I, I'd probably let it get to me because I mean, there were people who were like, like death threat level crazy. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. ridiculous. You know, I think in general, it's just like for anyone out there, and this is coming from a straight white male who grew up in the church is that like, <laughs> Just let people live their truth and let them do and say what makes them happy. If it is not destructive to the world, let it be like just everyone has should have the freedom to be exactly who they are, who they were made to be like whatever you believe in, like your faith is all about love. It's all about everyone has a place. So like, let's practice what we preach um, or what's being preached to us. So anyway, I'm going to get off my my soapbox now is I've probably just lost a thousand listeners, but honestly, <laughs> that's fine. Cause those aren't the people that this show's made for, you know? Um, anyway, do you have people, I'm sure you do, but I'm curious, like, is it's not just Brooklyn. It's not just New York that you're engaging, uh, with people from the community and people who who feel seen through, through your store. I, have you sold clothes all around the world at this point in time? Yeah, we ship globally. Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously we're a hub for people who are local and people who are visiting. But outside of that, we do uh, ship. So like anything that we sell online, on our website, in our stories, in our live sales, we ship 
all over. And one of the cool things is, so we do these like weekly live sales on Instagram and now TikTok. And um, we've built this like really strong community where we start to see the same people coming back. And like, I know the names of these people who I've never met in person, who've never right. stepped foot, that feel a sense of community with us too, that come back every week. So it's like, I'm doing the live video. And it's like, oh, hi, Katie. Oh, hi, Christiana. You know what I mean? And so yeah. um, that's in fact, kind of how we were connected. Yeah, it, it, it is through one wild. of our customers who has become a really, you know, strong part of our community. It is wild. You know, I think for me personally, you know, maybe it's a generational thing. You know, I'm 40. So, like, I remember life before, you know, AOL Instant Messenger and and now obviously, you know, all the social media platforms. Like, I remember the simplicity of that. But also I was a teenager when all these things really started exploding so yep. there was this sense of like wonder and freedom and curiosity about the world that's out there but also still remembering what it was like when i wasn't able to see everything that was happening in all corners of the world but i think one of the beautiful things and in the story that you're sharing is an example of that is that we are able to connect with people all around the world and that we you know maybe that community doesn't exist in our hometown if you live in a small town of a thousand people and you're the only person that thinks like you or looks like you but you can go on your phone or on the computer and you can immediately find a community of people who are very much like you and that's yeah. that's incredibly beautiful and and powerful um you said something earlier that i wanted to go back to it's sort of part of a, a personal mission of mine you know that that started with conversation in the disability space and wanted to make sure I'm using proper language yeah. um, when having conversation with people. And obviously, you know, pronouns have become a huge part of the conversation as well. As it pertains to your community, you said um, of size, is that preferred language? Is there preferred language um, that- No, I mean, I think like, you know, I don't know that there's like one way to say it. Some people use the term plus size. Some people say like of size. We use plus size as a way to designate like rather than straight sized or, mm. you know, our, our friends that wear below a size 12. Um, in our community, in our shop, we really embrace the word fat. We don't look at fat as like a negative term. It's a descriptor. You know, it's just part of like who we are. Fat doesn't have any morality tied to it. It is like something that we're like, you know, it's like people taking back terms that have been used against mm. them, you know, so like, we own it. Um, so I, I don't think that there's uh, a, a wrong term to use. I think maybe it would be questionable if there were people who were straight sized or like not within our community who are using the term fat, since it has been weaponized by people who are not on like that side of things. Um, right. But outside of that, I don't think there's like one specific term of, you know, like when we talk about like of size or plus size, I think that that's like normal for folks who may not be plus size themselves and are engaging with or talking to people like me. I appreciate that. Cause I think it's, I think a lot of people want to make sure that they are being mindful of language that, that people prefer. Um, but I think a lot of people and me included, you know, even to this day, even though I've had a lot of comfort conversations that some people might consider uncomfortable, um, frankly speaking, I don't think we can get comfortable until we're willing to get uncomfortable. Um, and I don't yeah. think we can get it right until we're willing to not necessarily get it wrong, but understand that we've been saying it wrong or that we have been getting it wrong, not intentionally, um, 
but the only way that we discover that is through through conversation. Yeah. Um, and so I you know appreciate you being willing to to chat um, about that. So I want to go back to when you open the store in 2017 and you take this huge leap, right? Um, you know, you had this job that was quote unquote safe and you were making good money, but it wasn't necessarily fulfilling your soul. Uh, what was opening day like for you when you flip that sign and it says open or you turn on the light and, and, and now, and now it's real. There's, there's no going back. Can you, can you go back to what your head and heart space was on that day and, and what you were feeling? I was really nervous. I was so nervous because <laughs> I spent so much money and time and effort and I like did not know how it was going to be received. And I think the biggest surprise to me was like on our, so like I did like, you know, soft launch, like I didn't, I did honestly, I did not know what I was doing. I didn't promote it anywhere. Like, and we had, um, we had like all these people come in and I remember being like, Hey, how'd you hear about us? Like asking like the folks. And it was just like word of mouth. It had spread through our community. There were all these like at the time and still exist, I'm sure. Facebook groups that were like plus size and like fat Facebook groups of New York. And people were like, oh my God, this new. So people in the community came out to support us and it was like immediate. And I was like, whoa, that's Mm. so crazy. And then we got all of this organic press that was like a dream come true like within the first week that I opened I was contacted by refinery 29 and like some of these other kind of like big kind of like dream outlets that you would want to be featured in when you open a retail space and the reason it was so novel and we got so much press is because there wasn't anything like it I mean in the era of now like Lizzo where you we're seeing more of a movement behind body positivity and inclusivity um it felt like a radical idea and so mm. you know that was kind of like a dream so when we opened it kind of all it felt like a fever dream that i was just walking through at the time <laughs> i was also still working that demanding job so i was really burning the candle at both ends and trying to make it work but um it, i those first few years were really kind of like a hustle and honestly um that the first few years like when we outgrew the small space I was still trying to figure it out like when we first opened I was not a secondhand store I was selling only new curated collections and it kind of took me a while to figure out what I wanted the incarnation of the business to be which was purely Mm. secondhand and vintage um and and how we were going to grow it so yeah we kind of like moseyed through it and got there but you got there. Yeah. And so when you finally made that decision to just go all in on this, not burning it at both ends, just putting all your time, all your energy into plus Brooklyn, um, how did that feel when you finally left that other job, the quote unquote stable, safe job behind and just went all in on this? What, what was that experience like? Terrifying. <laughs> like, <laughs> terrifying. Well, you know, because it's like a safety net and it's a sure thing and you've got like the health insurance and like all the great stuff that you have with like, you know, a nice corporate job that um, with like venture backing, <laughs> you know, it's like so. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I was really terrified to like do my own thing and like, you know, I... But at the same time, I have always had faith in myself. Like I was terrified, but I also know like I can do it. Like if I'm in charge, I know it'll get done and I know Mm. it'll be great. And I know that I'm going to blow it out of the fucking water. And that has always (laughs) been my mentality. You know what I mean? Like even when things are hard, like I can take, I can do anything. Right. So that's just kind of been like how I've looked at it in every aspect 
the whole way through. And so you were terrified, but did you ever feel in any way, because I find this in myself at times, is that those big leaps that we take are very terrifying, but it almost feels like we are truly stepping into our most authentic selves uh, in those moments. And then through that, it's like fear is like the the turnstile you have to push your way through to get to like the theme park of like all your hopes <laughs> and dreams sort of coming true. Cause I'd yeah. imagine though there was the fear, like when you, when that corporate job that didn't fill your soul was in the rear view, who do you feel like, and how do you feel like you showed up in life every single day? Oh, well, absolutely. Like the moment. So it's like, there was the fear, but I had, it was immediately a relief. It was mm. a relief because it felt like, I can finally focus on the thing that makes me happy and that I can finally un like authentically unapologetically be who I am without reserve. And so I've never looked back since then. And I think I probably never will. <laughs> I mean, I guess never say never, but um, you know, it, I think, yeah, to your question, it's just been in that regard, such a dream to feel that level of freedom mm. That you feel when you can finally focus on, you know, just doing the things that you care the most about and building something that you really, truly are 100% invested in, not because somebody's writing you a paycheck, you know. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's been the biggest reward for me. How do you think it's impacted you as, as a, as a spouse and, and as a mom? Well, I think as a mom, it's, uh, I mean, aside from just like logistically, I have the flexibility to be a mom now. Like, whereas like when I was tied to, you know, like my corporate life, it was like, I was really, really invested in work probably in an unhealthy way. Mm -hmm. And so now I like allow myself the flexibility to be a parent. And I think like also too, it's like when I am, when I am my best self and my happiest self I can be a better partner I can be a better mom you know what I mean so it's like you know leaving that life behind this is something my husband and I talked about a lot because it was like you know we're in this together he was my partner like if I was gonna leave that like obviously we had to talk about like financially if and when I can take a salary from my business and like you know, what kind of impacts that would have on us. And he has always been a huge supporter. And one of the things he always said to me is like, you know what, money is just money. Mm. Like we can figure that part out, but like you are so not happy in this regard with where you are now. And I know how bad you want this other thing that like, let's take the chance. Like just, you know, it's like measure twice, cut once. Like you've put all this effort into it, like just go and do, and then we'll figure it out. And so I think that also gave me kind of like the freedom and like knowing that there was somebody else who saw that and was supportive of that and like let me mm. want to go be my best self allows me to show up and be, you know, a better person in every aspect of my life, you know, a better sister, a better spouse, a better mom, because I'm far happier with what I'm doing, you know? Right. What does that mean to you to have a, a partner who supports you in that way, who encourages you? yeah i mean isn't that a dream for everybody <laughs> you know what i mean like um and uh yeah i mean i want to say like 
the one thing that has been so awesome about having a partner like that is that he is, because as an entrepreneur, like anybody who owns a business, I feel like they ride the roller coaster of like the concerns about security and money and you know what I mean? And this and that. And, um, you know, obviously it's not like anybody can just be like, money is just money. Like you have to like, <laughs> you know, like feed your family and survive. Totally. But, you know, I think that, uh, my husband has always been a good sounding board and kind of like somebody who I can talk to that will help me balance practicality and then also, you know, like passion. So like, that was it for us. It was like, okay, like practically what is the bare minimum that we need to make it by? Can we do that? And okay, if we can do that, like, let's go, you know, like do your thing. He, he told me, he was like, I'll, you know, support us as long as I can. If you want to go build your thing, your thing and then we like kind of together made a plan of like okay like how long can we go if things don't go as planned before I'd need to reconsider if I need to re-enter a corporate workforce or whatever and right. that was just kind of how it went so See, yeah that's... having him has been like really important to the business and allowing me to flourish and having that level of support is I think like so invaluable what a partnership you all have. Like it just, it sounds, sounds beautiful, you know, and, and obviously <laughs> I'm sure it comes with it. You know, it, it's peaks and valleys like, like any yes. relationship does, but that you guys are there for each other and that you had that very real conversation of, Hey, if, if this doesn't happen by XX date, then we're going to do this, but at least let's take the leap. This thing is something you want to do. And, and, and clearly, you know, it's paying off six years later. Like you said, you guys are expanding, which is, you know, on the verge of expanding, which is thrilling. And, and before, you know, we get too far along in the episode, I do want to encourage people to go check out uh, Plus Brooklyn's website. And that's plus BKLYN.com. And people can also find you on social media. Is it at plus BKLYN on yes. social as well? Instagram and TikTok is where we do the most. Um, strangely enough, our website, we don't do as much with. Have you found that, because I, you know, with my endeavors, like I was trying to not do TikTok for a while. Cause I was just like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm, I'm, I am 40. I should not be on TikTok. I'm the older generation <laughs> on TikTok. Um, do you find, cause I, I finally was just like, whatever, I'm just going to be me. And I'm going to talk about the things I want to talk about on TikTok. Cause it like, for some reason, that platform feels like it just, gives people freedom to share whatever they want to share from mental health issues to their obsession with Disneyland or, or whatever it is. Have you found that like a very quick, immediate response and growth uh, to your community on TikTok specifically? I have been like you, I am an elder millennial and <laughs> well, I think I... we're called geriatric. Is it? <laughs> I think that's the word they're using now. And I just refuse to accept it. I am a geriatric millennial. <laughs> and um, I too, I still feel like I'm not totally grasping TikTok, but um, I do have a really great team who helps me and okay. we are very present on TikTok. And I have been shocked. I mean, like very quickly, I guess I wasn't I like knew I saw that like there were a lot of people engaging on the platform but I like didn't realize one how quickly we would see engagement and two mm. to the level that we would like I am shocked all the time we have people come in and be like 
I found you guys on TikTok. And then we have all this organic content that happens. Like we have influencers and local people who come in and make these little videos. Like I was in New York and I thought I'd visit plus Brooklyn. And then they do like these little, you know, TikToks. And, and then we get like sometimes thousands of views on one TikTok and people follow us. And it's just been really wild. And there have been times where we've had, you know, just like everybody else who does these things, like every once in a while, I'm shocked at like some of the things we do that go viral. Like I did one TikTok that got like 50,000 views and I was like, what? Right. You know, so it, it is. Yeah. That's the cool thing about TikTok is that it feels almost like a, like a democratization of content sharing, you know, where it's not like you have to have a hundred thousand, a million followers for your content to be seen by people and it almost feels like if you're just being you if you're just sharing your honest story that's what goes the furthest and and that's really part of what we're leaning into with this show is that like you know historically the industry that i have worked in professionally for over 14 years it's like it's just the same stories you know uh over and over and over again or it's it's a different group of people but the format of the story is exactly the same. We're not going to a storage auction. We're uh, going to go look in containers this time. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, it's the same thing, but just with different people slightly sort of reshaped to sort of, you know, make it a little bit different. And what I love about this show is that we get to, I think, lean into where we're at culturally uh, from a society standpoint of like really being tired of the same stories that we've heard over and over again uh, and wanting to meet new people and wanting to, discover people and how beautiful that in this time where social media is being you know and rightfully so is commerce right that you have these people with big followings who will just go post a video about your business and not ask you for anything in return uh, it's amazing <laughs> it's shocking it's just been so such a wild ride and it's been so fun and like the content that we make i think your point is well taken because like the content that we make on tiktok is i mean at first it started like we're just having fun like we're doing like outfits of the day and like my my employees are like you know like showing off their outfits and you know sometimes we do like some of the like fun sounds that relate to the business and it's just been like for me that's been like just such a a fun surprise and really organic and it's like um it's wild how quickly it grows but yeah I I have been very pleasantly surprised about how many people we get all the time mm. like maybe even one a day we hear in the store that are like I found you guys on TikTok and I'm like what it's so crazy it's it's wild but it's so cool again that like for someone who's looking for that type of content that that it is so easily accessible these days yeah, and that uh, you someone might be living in queens are like oh my gosh i never knew this store was even there and then this thing pops up on their for you page or whatever it might be and then the next day they're in your shop like yeah. that's just and you didn't have to pay a dime for that which is so cool i i love it so you know looking towards the future you know what what are your hopes for plus brooklyn and and bigger hopes you know for the community um what what do you want to see you know for your business and and for the plus size community in you know the the near future yeah i think for the business for me it's like i would love to expand and have more options available to people and you know we're looking at expanding hopefully to like one more city this year Fine. and who knows down the road how many more after that <laughs> um so uh so yeah i think like for us personally we like there's no proof of concept like we know what we're doing and we know that it serves a purpose and we have built 
really strong community. And so I'd love to expand and continue to provide value to that community in other spaces. Um, I think what my ultimate hopes and dreams are for the community at large is, you know, I think that more options are better. Like right now, believe it or not, wild. We are the only brick and mortar place to go if you are a plus size person that's not I mean there are some big box retailers a handful of them and there are some size inclusive stores but we are the only dedicated plus size space in New York City that is insane in New York City of all places like and when you think about it like for people who let's say we're below a size 16 you can throw a stone and hit like 10 of those stores in my neighborhood alone you know what I mean like there you walk down Bedford Avenue there's like 12 vintage shops and Mm -hmm. yet plus Brooklyn is the only one in New York City that serves plus sizes so I think like there's no reason that we shouldn't have an abundance of options Um, and that's not a novel idea in a country where the average U.S. size is a size 18 right so yeah I think like more size options and not just in terms of like me as a secondhand store I mean there's no reason why designers shouldn't be like I'd love to see more inclusive lines so brands that start to you know produce lines that go up to a size at least 26 a size 30 you know what I mean most brands if anything right now are starting to expand but even therein like so many of them stop at a size 20 which is like Mm. barely kind of like tickling the edge of what is plus size so yeah I think like inclusivity still has a ways to go um in fashion and that is something that I hope that we are serving a little bit of a part in changing the landscape of but there's still so much work to do yeah, you know, this is reminding me, I was doing an interview recently for my my children's series, you know, The Capables, and the person interviewing me said, like, what would be like your de- definition of success? Like, what's, you know, basically the question I just asked you, right? It's like, wh- what do you dream of seeing in the future? And I said, honestly, I dream of a time where I'm no longer celebrated for writing a book like this. Right. Be- because it it's normal. And that's the way that it should be. Like, I'm I'm grateful that I have the platform and the opportunity to talk about it. But for me, like a win is when it's no longer seen as something special uh, or something great that somebody did. It's just what we do. It is just what we do right? Um, because that's the way that it, that it should be. Um, I do have one last question for you is, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people out, you know, they're listening to your, your story who have a big dream in their heart. You know, I think that's one thing that connects us as human beings is I think we just have dreams and I think our dreams choose us and it's up to us whether or not we want to nurture them is, you know, for someone out there, whether they're, you know, a teenager or someone in college or somebody who's a geriatric millennial like us, and they have this big dream in their heart that makes their heart sing. What what are some words of encouragement, not necessarily advice because everybody's different, right? It's like, what would be some words of encouragement that you would give to them as you've navigated your road and how that's impacted your life and what it could, how it could impact theirs as well? Um, well, hit your wagon to a star and rock <laughs> the fuck out of there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also I think like, you know, for me, it really is at the risk of sounding cliche. It has always been about kind of like positive mental attitude and kind of like, how I was telling you, I've always had this, like, there is no failure mentality, you know, it's Mm. kind of like, I can do it. If I put my mind to it, I know that I can do anything, even if that means that getting there is circuitous and there's failures inclusive. It's like, so I think that 
for me, it's all about, you know, believing in your ability to manifest mm. what you dream of. Oh, I love that so much. I think so often we, we feel like there needs to be like some sort of uh, blueprint or a map for how you get from point A to point B. And I think the reality is, unless you're maybe becoming a doctor, um, most things that we do in life don't have a blueprint. Or even if they say there is, once you get into it, it's so different. Even like parenting, right? They're like, well, you need to set this structure for your child and you need to do A, B, and C. And like, <laughs> yeah, theoretically, that's great. Uh, but have you met my child? Um, is, you know, <laughs> at the same time, you know, like I think it's 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 educating yourself and making sure that you're you know being as smart as you can be. But at some point, you have to take that leap, and you have to just trust that there's only one you in the world. There's only one way of looking at the dream that you have, and it's in you. And that I believe is where our superpowers lie in life. Is that none of us are the same. Like we, you know, someone else may want to open a, a vintage plus, you know, brick and mortar store in their town, but the way that they would do it is different from Alexis. Right. And it doesn't mean that it's wrong. Like to be different is to be super, you know? And so I, I'm just sort of dovetailing off of what you're saying. And, and I agree with you hundred percent. And, and frankly, I'm so glad that we're connected because this has been a really, really awesome conversation. And hopefully it's not the last one that we have. With yeah. Each other. I'll have to come yeah. visit you next time I'm in New York. <laughs> Please do. I definitely will. And I will post it on TikTok um, <laughs> and, and signal boost out there and hopefully get some more people to, to check out Plus Brooklyn. But uh, if you're interested in learning more uh, about Alexis, Hope Grace and her store, uh, Plus Brooklyn, please check them out at plusbklyn.com or on TikTok and Instagram at plusbklyn. Alexis, Hope Grace, this has been such a blast. And I just want to congratulate you and uh, can't wait to, I'm going to manifest this. I can't wait to meet you uh, in person someday. <laughs> I look forward to it. Awesome. Have an amazing day. Thank you. YouTube. Wow. What, what a fun conversation. Didn't I tell you beforehand during the intro that you were going to fall in love with Alexis? And I'm sure you did just like I did. Honestly, I was so blown away by things that she shared during the conversation. The fact that prior to her opening up Plus Brooklyn, there was not a plus size clothing store, a boutique store in New York, the biggest city in our nation here in the United States, and honestly, one of the most diverse cities uh, in the world. It just absolutely blew me away. So I want to say a huge, huge thank you to Alexis for taking the time to hang out with us, to share her story, to be so honest and real with us. So appreciate that. And again, wanted to remind you all, if you're enjoying what you are hearing here, please make sure you hit that subscribe button and rate and review the show. Your reviews do a lot in terms of ensuring more people discover what we are doing here with The Greatest stories never told. And we're doing something really, really cool here. We have a new episode that will be dropping next Monday featuring Natalia Perez, who is one of the hosts of the Big Boy in the Morning radio show here in Southern California. She also does a lot of work for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And, and we go way, way, way back. We cut our teeth together in the uh, entertainment industry working at KISS FM here in LA. So really excited for that conversation with Natalia. I told you, we're having some fun here. We're talking with some great people and you do not want to miss out on a single moment. So make sure you are following us on social media at Never Told Pod. You can connect with me at Danny Jordan on Instagram. But for now, it's time for me to jump out of here. Thank you again for being a part of this journey. Thank you again for taking the time to listen. I appreciate each and every one of you. And I cannot wait to hang out with you all again real soon. 